Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Thursday, July 15th. We're going to break down some quarterback coach duo rankings with Jeff Kerr. Make sure and check out in the feed. We have AFC MVPs and NFC MVPs. Like Who's the likely surprise MVP for NFC teams and AFC teams? They're nice jumping off points. For a larger discussion, we'll also be breaking down reaction for the franchise tag extension deadline. Early reaction tells me it's going to be like, eh. but that's just because none of these guys are agreeing to any deals. No huge surprise there. What is a surprise, however, is we are finalists yet again. Actually, I guess it's not a surprise if it happened again for the sports category, the People's Choice Podcast Award. That's right. We're up for an award. We appreciate everything you guys do for us. You always come and watch our shows. You watch if we do a live thing, you, you, you check it out, you stream it. So hook us up here and help us by nominating the Pick 6 podcast to go into the finals. If we win the award, the actual award, not if we get nominated for the finals, if we win the award, I will get a tattoo of listener's choice somewhere on my body. I don't care what it is. Somebody suggested it could be like a, a, a tattoo of Prisco. I don't care. We win the award. You guys can do whatever you want. I don't give a crap. To nominate us, go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. Again, if we win, I will get a tattoo of something stupid on my body. Even though I swore never to get a tattoo in my entire life. The link is at the top of the episode description as well. So check it out and go nominate us. Let's nominate uh, some quarterback and coach duo rankings now. Joining us to talk QB coach duos. Jeff Kerr, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Yeah, pretty good, Will. But by, by the way, I think the first thing you should do if Pick Six wins the award is change your Twitter bio to award-winning Pick Six podcast host. I, I will do that. I, I absolutely. I, <laughs> that is the first thing I will do, Jeff. That is absolutely one hundred percent correct. It only takes five seconds. A lot quicker than a tattoo. That's right. Uh, somebody, I was somebody was reading. Somebody asked me on radio on Wednesday. My buddies Chuck and Buck out in Seattle. Like we saw this thing. They're like, our nominations. You got to get a picture of Pete Prisco naked on your bicep. <laughs> yeah like pete like like lean down or something like that i was saying i'll just get a picture of pete doing his little like radio show flex thing on my bicep i can live with that or, or just put like that and get off my lawn right under yeah all right get off my lawn yeah yeah hey uh debo very quickly do you think that the uh benefits of winning the podcast the podcast choice awards or, or the people's choice podcast award would outweigh the negative of having a dumb tattoo on my body Oh, I, I mean, I don't care if you have a tattoo. I'm actually, I'm rooting for it even harder. You, I'm, I'm trying to well, like. Yes, I, yeah, I get that. Point. Right, right. I mean, I'm no, saying, I mean, from my, I'm saying from my part, like as an objective third, or I mean, objective third party, as someone who has intimate knowledge of the podcast and my vanity. Do you think? What do you do? You think I'm, I'm correctly weighing this? 
Right. No, it's it's fair. Like, I definitely would feel better about, like, winning a ward and getting into tattoo rather than, like, Ryan Finley winning a football game and having to get a tattoo. Or not getting a tattoo. Yes, right. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, it was definitely a bold call by you that I did not see coming. Uh, yeah, me either. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, well, let's go win it. Let's do it. All right. Uh, let's talk QB coach duos and said that what uh what were the and again ooh, actually you know what i've read that these may surprise you what were the qualifications jeff for your and the qual the criteria qualifications i mean obviously like best quarterback best coach but you know i would assume the partnership has to play into it as well right well yeah and i remember last year i got a lot of flack and i i could tell they all read the article because i specifically put at the front of it Tom Brady does not qualify for this because last year, going into it, he didn't never play the regular season staff with Bruce Arians. And I even said, yeah, those two will probably be on the top 10 list after the 2020 season because I figured the Bucs would make the playoffs and I didn't think they'd win the Super Bowl, but here we go. And, you know, we saw what they were able to do. So they were eligible this year. Sean Payton, you know, if I would have done this list for like the last 10 years, Sean Payton and Drew Brees with it easily been top three every year but sean payton has a new quarterback and we don't even know who it is is it is it Taysom hill is it Jameis winston i don't know so it was you know hard for me to omit him but we just don't know who the pairing was so it was pretty much you know longevity really played a factor into it and you know 2020 success obviously played a role so you had a lot of new uh faces on the list like sean mcdermott josh allen baker mayfield kevin stefanski Etc. And like there were guys that, you know, when I was doing these qualifications, I'm like, well, where does Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy go? Because yeah. Dak Prescott, they were only together like five or six games, but Dak Prescott was on base third for 6,000 yards. So that was hard to determine as well. So yeah, th- th- there was an extensive list there, but yeah, you were not eligible for this list if you were like a first year head coach or, uh, you know, uh, or, you know, a first year quarterback with a new team. So like Carson Wentz and Frank Wright, they were out. Sure. And I mean, you know, I think it's important too. you might not like Pete Carroll or might not like Pete Carroll's offensive philosophy, but you're not going to leave Pete Carroll, and Russell Wilson off this list because Pete Carroll's a really good coach and Russell Wilson's a really good quarterback, right? Yeah, exactly. Like you, you just can't do that. And I didn't look at, oh, well, this guy doesn't call the plays like Mike Tomlin, Ben Roethlisberger. Mike Tomlin doesn't call the plays in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has a new offense coordinator but that's not taking anything away from Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger and what they were able to do. It, it was the exact same thing. So like Sean McDermott doesn't call the plays in Buffalo. Brian Dable does. So, you know, where, where do you leave that? Well, no, I, I just said, Hey, look, I, I just mentioned like this guy calls the plays, but that doesn't take away from what the coach is able to do and they're able to win games. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, let's dive into, uh, I, I, I mean, I'm assuming Dak Prescott, and Mike McCarthy was the hardest one to leave off. Right. Yeah, it, it was. Um, I seriously consider putting them at number 10. I just went small sample size. That was it. You know, it, it just wasn't enough. I, I have a feeling that those two would have easily been on if they would have played the whole year. Because I figured Dallas would have won the division. Dak would have had an MVP-type season. I'm like, okay, then the list would have been a lot more difficult. But it was just more of, hey, look, you guys just weren't weren't together enough. Six, six games just isn't enough to determine. I mean, they should have started 0-4. 
if they hadn't gotten lucky against the Falcons. And then the only reason that they were putting up prolific offensive numbers is because they were trailing by a bunch of points in every single game. I mean, if it doesn't say anything about Mike McCarthy that you can be given Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz, Blake Jarwin, Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard, and come back from down 20 points. Like, congratulations. Any human being on the planet can do that. With I mean, like, you're just just – Press no huddle and, and run plays. That's not hard to do. So I, I I do think it is fair to, while Dak almost drags Mike McCarthy to that top 10, I don't think Mike McCarthy has proven himself a, to come back and be a good enough coach to warrant that, you know, with like you're saying, with the limited partnership. So I think I think that's that's a fair move, but I'm sure you're going to get yelled at for that one, Jeff. Oh, or, I'm sure I am too. I'm already getting yelled at by people for in my top 10. Oh, this team's too low or these guys are too low or these guys are too high. I'm like, well, what do you guys expect? Like for the first year, guys, like what do you expect here? Like should I catapult Josh Allen and Sean McDermott to the top three over, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid or, you know, over Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur because you went to the same spot they did? Well, no, Rodgers and LaFleur did this twice now. And I am one of the biggest Josh Allen stands on the planet. And it was, oh. you know, difficult for me to pretty much say, Hey, look, you know, these guys, and I think six is, I think that is brand. Did I have six? Yeah, I am six. And I'm, I was like, I think that's good enough. Like I, I know why they're bad because Lamar Jackson, and John Harbaugh are ahead of them. I'm like, well, Lamar Jackson won MVP. He did win a playoff game. John Harbaugh is a Super Bowl winning coach. They are very good together. The Ravens win a lot of games and, Look, they, they lost in Buffalo. It, it, that's not an easy playoff game to win. I know they love to slam Lamar Jackson for losing playoff games, but I didn't think he was going to win that game against Josh Allen anyway. Right. All right. Fair enough. Let's get to the list at number 10. And this is spicy because this could – I think this is – Jimmy. it's Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan. I have to assume that this is part and parcel a, a – I don't really love Jimmy G and it might be Trey Lance and they might be top five by next year for all I know. Is that, is that what, is that what you're staring at? I said to myself and I literally put in the first line, like how can you put Jimmy Garoppolo in a top 10 list of anything when he might not even be the quarterback week one. And right. look, they drafted Trey Lance at third overall because of this. And I still had to do it because of their body of work. I mean, they did reach a Super Bowl. Unlike a lot of people on this list, it's Kyle Shanahan is still a really good coach. And in my mind, he's a top 10 coach in the league. I know the record doesn't show it, but when the 49ers were healthy, they were pretty good. And look, Jimmy G had a down year last year, but he only played six games had numerous ankle injuries, which are just deadly for a quarterback anyway. And the 49ers are still three and three in those six starts. So it wasn't like he was terrible. And, I mean, the 49ers were still kind of hanging the float until Jeff Wilson got hurt in like week 12. And then everything just went off the rails. And I, I thought their biggest win of the year, and this is credit to Kyle Shanahan as a head coach, week 16 against the Cardinals in that Amazon Prime game that no one saw. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, look, Kyle Shanahan, I said on the top 10 coaches pod that I put Kyle Shanahan as like number three. And I got people, people yelled at me on Twitter for that. And that, that's fine. I mean, I, but I would. I would not flinch at taking, I mean, I don't know if I take number one, because that would be kind of, I mean, Andy Reid, if I'm picking a coach for next season, regardless of the team situation, Andy Reid's my number one. Kyle Shanahan might be my Easy. number two. I mean, and that's no disrespect to Bill Belichick. I just, yeah, I think, I don't, I think Kyle Shanahan might get more with junk offensively than Bill Belichick. And so that's why I would lean in that direction. Um, so I might have these two guys higher, but I, I mean, the problem is Jimmy, 
I would what I would like is Trey Lance to come in, be awesome, and then you can just vault those guys all the way up to like the, the near the top of the list. That's oh, the ideal scenario. Exactly. For guys. Like I had Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan, and I, I think I have him in the top five last year, if I wasn't mistaken. I, I am pretty high. And I was like, look, Jimmy G was tremendous. Like they probably should have won a Super Bowl, and yeah. all of a sudden Kyle Shanahan forgot to call plays in the fourth quarter, and Jimmy Garoppolo forgot to complete throws in the fourth quarter, and he was an excellent fourth quarter quarterback that year. So it was so bizarre, and it, all it did was just make Andy Reid one of the top five coaches of all time and Patrick Mahomes in GOAT status be, because of those two. So, you know, I, I'm willing to give Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo the benefit of the doubt here. What they did in 2019 was good enough to stay on this list, and it's not like they were terrible in 2020. It was just the 49ers were hurt. Yeah, I'm with you, and we'll see if they can bounce back. But it's like we say, it's you also don't want to put them in the top half, and then Jimmy G's done halfway through the year because of either injury or performance, right? Then that makes you look stupid. Number nine, a very intriguing pair because I think of not of all the duos on here, but at least of all the duos in the bottom five, these guys are maybe the most even in terms of Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski. Clearly. Kevin Stefanski, a massive upgrade over Freddie Kitchens, which, duh, I guess. But, you know, the fact that Kevin Stefanski came in and got the most out of Baker Mayfield, they Baker Mayfield's skill set fits with the play calls that, that Kevin Stefanski wants to do with the bootlegs and, the you know, the play action and all of that. Um, th- this seems like a very even pairing. We don't know if Baker's going to take a leap forward, if Kevin Stefanski's going to take a leap forward as a coach, or, or if both of them will, and maybe they do, and the Browns win a freaking Super Bowl. But I think that these two guys feel like a very nice high floor. Does that seem fair to say? Oh, yeah. I, I think their ceiling is tremendous. I, sure. I mean, honestly, now the Browns got that playoff hex off their belt. I mean, the last time they made a playoff game, I was 14 years old. That That's how long it was. And yeah. I, I can't remember the when they win the playoff game, 1995, uh, January 1st, 1995, something like that. I was six. So it's been a long time. <laughs> they moved. It came back. That, that That's how long it's been. So they got that hex off. Now the sky's the limit for those two. Uh, I thought Baker Mayfield was tremendous from week seven on um, for in 2020. And pretty much my thing with Mayfield was it, how good he was in that playoff game against the Steelers. Now, I know that Steelers defense wasn't, really great outside of Micah Fitzpatrick and maybe Cam Hay- Hayward. But besides that, it, Mayfield was tremendous. Stefanski called a brilliant game. And he wasn't, uh, as I recall, I don't even think he called that game because of the COVID protocol. So, but still what he did was that team was not exactly great last year. They were pretty much, if you look at advancing analytics, like a seven, eight win team. And he won 11 games and made the playoffs and won a playoff game. Their first road playoff win since 1969. Against the division rivals. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Against the Steelers of all teams. So, you know, they're our rivals. So I thought that was tremendous by them. And they took Kansas City to the brink. And I know Mahomes got hurt in that game. But still, it, it was just a tremendous year for Cleveland. And those two definitely deserve to be in the top ten just based on what they did in their first year together. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, the the, the analytics you're talking about, you know, they were a 7.7 win team according to their their uh, point to, uh, their point differential, which is concerning for sure when you think about the Browns being 16 to 1 to win the Super Bowl and maybe getting it back. But I I guess when I started to think about that, my initial reaction is the Browns are, can't be good. They'll screw this up. And then I think, no, I kind of trust Baker Mayfield. And I think I trust Kevin Stefanski to to do a good job coaching that team up and to make smart both pregame planning and in-game decisions. I, you know, I'm curious to see how much volume they put on Baker's plate. I think that can determine how high the ceiling is for these guys. They can win a bunch of games with running a defense for sure. But when your push comes to shove, can they get into that shootout like they did against 
uh, Baltimore on that on that on that big Monday night game. And and can they win games like that if they have to? If the defense for some reason isn't great this year, at number eight, staying in the same division. This is a this one was probably getting you yelled at by both sides. People who think the quarterback's too high and the coach is too low. Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin. Yeah, um, and I basically looked at it like this. The Steelers are three and six since they last won the Super Bowl in the playoffs. That's pretty well. And look, by based on reputation, those two probably deserve to be higher. I mean, he has a championship. He has two championships. Tomlin has a championship, but I had to look at recent performance here, and they probably would be much higher if they weren't the first 11-0 team never to make the divisional round of the playoffs, which mm. you got to blame the head coach for that. He never raided the ship. They – their win, their big win was coming back against the Indianapolis Colts, or they would have finished eleven and five. It's, I, I just don't know what to make of these two. Ben had a really good year, but they fired their offensive coordinator. Tomlin couldn't get the ship fixed. It, and this just seems to be a pattern in Pittsburgh now. These late season collapses. It happened with the Antonio Brown side, and now Antonio Brown is it is a whole different story. But still, he wasn't on the field in that crucial Week Seventeen game a couple years ago. I that, you know, so. I, again, it's it's really frustrating with Pittsburgh because these two are so good, and I still think Ben has something left in the tank. And I know Tomlin's a good coach; he's ever had a losing season, and he has the most wins for any coach after his first like twelve years. I think he's tied with Shula or something like that. So again, like great coach, Hall of Fame quarterback. Tomlin's probably going to be a Hall of Fame coach when it's all said and yeah, done. But so. it, yeah, is eighth disrespectful? Um, not according to this ranking. I mean, but these two can. Clearly, if they go to like the AFC Championship game this year, they clearly go up because that means they made a deep playoff run. Yeah, I I think the problem with this is as much as you may like, and you know what, some of the other the other part of it too is sometimes I think it's harder to elevate um, a coach on the defensive side of the ball, maybe with a with a quarterback, right? Because you're you know you're not talking about like yeah. Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield are working. It feels like they're working more hand in hand, right? Whereas Ben Roethlisberger, Mike Tomlin's more of a CEO. Than he is, you know, uh, heavily. It's not like he's grinding on the offensive game plan with Ben Roethlisberger, you know, seven days a week. I'm not saying that Stefanski is doing that. They have an offensive coordinator. I, I just mean it, it feels a little easier to promote to elevate an offensive head coach on the on these list. Um, yeah, the other thing too, Roethlisberger's old. I, I, you know, once again, here we are in the offseason, and he's leaking out stuff about his diet and how he's in the best shape of his life. No, that's not true. I'm trying to take my diet more seriously. I'm not in the best shape of my life. You know why? Because you're 40, Ben. You ain't in the best shape of your life. That's not how it works. No one gets to 40 and magically becomes in the best shape of their life. I'm sorry. It doesn't happen. You're in the much better shape when you were 22, even if you're guzzling yingling all season long instead of whatever. Like he's, like he's taking his diet more seriously than Tom Brady. What are we talking about here? What on earth? Anyway, sorry. That was a 40-year-old Hey, I'm 32. I still say I'm in the best shape of my life. I, I'm definitely in better shape than I was when I was 22. I'll say that. Oh, yeah, I am too, actually. So, but not. I mean, well, I was in really bad shape at 22. But my point being is that, like, you can get back – anyway, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't buy all the, the hubbaloo about Ben Roethlisberger's diet suddenly changing everything. At number seven, maybe an underrated duo, but seven is still very high. Ryan Tannehill and Mike Vrabel. Tannehill, by the way, quietly coming off a 33-touchdown season last year and starting to, I, I think, kind of become a top-10 quarterback. Top-10? If you look at some of the stats, he's top-5. Sure. Uh, based on the stats I presented, like yards per 10, fourth-quarter comebacks, I, I I know that's, you know, here and there, but it's still a, an impressive stat. I I mean, touchdown-interception ratio, touchdown percentage, I, Ryan Daniels up there. It's 
you know, and I actually thought he elevated Bravel a bit just because, you know, of what he's done since week seven of the 2019 season. I mean, Tennessee is like number one in like 50 yard plays. They're, they're one of the, they have the most touchdowns in the league since Stanley Elba game started. It's, it's honestly incredible what they're able to do. Everybody loves to say, oh, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry. I, I think it goes both ways. I think Ryan Tannehill has made Derrick Henry that much better. I, I agree completely. I don't think that, I mean, I think it's a symbiotic relationship, you know, like having Derrick Henry helps Ryan Tannehill because Ryan Tannehill is able to go up top with play action because teams are trying to stack the box and stop this behemoth from running over them, you know, for 250 yards. But at the same time, you know, when you have AJ Brown and Ryan Tannehill there, it forces defenses to be honest and they, they can't completely load the box up. And that's, you know, when Marcus Mariota was playing quarterback, the Titans weren't good and Henry wasn't this dominant, dominant force that he is right now. So yeah, I agree completely. And I think that Mike Vrabel is, I don't, I, you know, first of all, he out, he deep pants Bill Belichick in a game using a, 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 a little hoodwink thing that Belichick had dropped on Gase. Remember the, the whole take a penalty, nope, decline. Belichick, take a penalty, Belichick. Nope. Yeah. He, he got Belichick on it. I mean, if you're outsmarting Bill Belichick in a game, then I'm giving you credit. I think Mike, Mike Vrabel sort of slides under the radar as a smart in-game coach and certainly as a master motivator. Dude promised to cut his TT off if, uh, if, if his team yeah, wins. That's why I was rooting for the Titans to win the Super Bowl. I, I kind of want to see if he, if he actually lives up to that or if he's like Dan Campbell and it's just a bunch of horse crap. Well, yeah, it's like, look, I'm telling you, we win this podcast award, tattoo. No jokes about it. Not going to cut anything off, but tattoo. Uh, at number six, you mentioned you got yelled at for this, but six is pretty good. Josh Allen and Sean McDermott of the Buffalo Bills. McDermott has been to the playoffs three of his four years with the Bills. That's unheard of. He doesn't get enough credit. Uh, and I think you, know, you, you and Debo, too, as, as Eagles fans, and we mentioned this before the show started. We were talking about Jim Johnson. And when Jim Johnson died, the guy put in charge the told to take over for him his you know his his mentee uh, his protege was Sean McDermott and McDermott came in and the defenses were fine but they weren't elite and so people kind of lost their minds Andy Reid fires him for Juan Castillo the offensive line coach and then Sean McDermott takes him out of isn't that right isn't that what happened yeah yeah that's exactly yeah, what happened you know, I, I blame David Akers for Sean McDermott's firing he missed two field goals in that wild card game there you go. And I, think, I think, I mean, McDermott resurfaced with the Panthers because Ron Rivera knew him from, you know, all the coaching stuff. With the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, with the Eagles. Exactly. Exactly right. And, uh, and, and Rivera picked him up. He was a great coach there. He moves to Buffalo and, you know, he and Brandon Bean have really put together this, what I think is one of the best rosters in football. I could see making the case to have him higher, but I also understand that when you start going through the uh, the five guys in front of him, that maybe that's just too hard. Yeah, and that's what it was. It's like if we're just going off strictly 2020, Josh Allen and Sean McDermott are in the top five. There's no doubt about that. And Sean McDermott's already put up an impressive resume resume for himself. Like you said, Will, you know, who takes the Bills to the playoffs three times in four years? Um, I don't even think the Bills made the playoffs Are3D? three times since 1995 before yeah. that. It's I mean it, that that's just criminally insane. And they haven't had a quarterback as good as Josh Allen since Jim Kelly. And Josh Allen just shattered all of Jim Kelly's records. He's he's the total package quarterback, and I don't think it was a one-year fluke either. I think this is just the start of something big for this guy, and what the Bills have been able to do to put weapons around him is incredible. If they had a running game, I, I can't imagine how good Josh Allen would be. He doesn't have to be the their running game or you know that X factor. He can be that quarterback who just stays in the pocket and takes off on occasion, not because he has to. And 
I'm so excited for what those two could do this year with a first place schedule. It looks like they're going to run this division. Um, you know, Stefan Diggs is just going to be better. Um, I'm kind of hoping that they get a better tight end than what they got. Um, you know, Zach Ertz would be nice there. Um, I really don't know if he's going to leave Philly, but you know, we'll, we'll see. But uh, at the end of the day, it's that that team's just loaded on both sides of the ball. And the Bills' defense wasn't even that great last year. Like their run defense yeah. is terrible. I expect them to get that fixed. It's man, I, I would not be surprised to see him in LA in February. Not at all. I mean, I think the take, picking the Bills to win the Super Bowl is a good call. I, there's a pretty good chance week five is undefeated Buffalo at undefeated Kansas City on Sunday Night Football. And it's a real shame that game is on CBS, but obviously the NFL understood that it would be pretty good Sunday Night Football. Uh, if the Bills, yeah, if the I, I've i been saying the Bills, I think the Bills over, and I got a 10 and a half juice, like 130 or something like that. It was the best bet of the offseason. Uh, this team is winning 13 or 14 games unless Josh Allen just completely collapses and or gets hurt. And I, I don't think that's the case. Sean McDermott, an awesome coach. And uh, I don't blame you for having them this high after the break. Why are they that low? We'll tell you next. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Rated PG 13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. So, at number five, and this is where you got to figure out who it. Would you definitely take Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh over Josh Allen and Sean McDermott? You did, Jeff, at your number five spot. Is that sort of a nod to longevity, the MVP season? Like, look, these guys have done this. You know, even if Lamar Jackson came in at the same time as Josh Allen, he's had more on-field success than Allen. You, I think people might take Allen right now, but I don't know that you're definitely taking John Harbaugh over Sean McDermott. I mean, Sean McDermott over John yeah, Harbaugh, excuse I me. That's pretty much what I did. I flip-flopped it, you know, and it was, okay, the Bills beat them last year, and I mentioned that, but I, look, Lamar Jackson has an MVP award. He is probably one of the greatest individual seasons for a player in NFL history. What quarterback runs for 1,200 yards, leads the league in touchdown passes? Uh, Lamar Jackson. That's the guy who did it. Uh, you know, that 2019 season was just absolutely incredible, and it was a travesty that, Lamar Jackson had to throw 50-plus passes in a playoff game because all of a sudden the Ravens' run-first offense decided not to run the football. And mm. I, look, they won 14 games that year. They were really good. They were still really good last year. They went into Tennessee. I didn't think they were going to win that playoff game last year because I thought, you know, okay, Rayvon Tannehill, they, like these guys know how to make deep playoff runs. And Lamar just had an incredible game running the football. Throwing the football, he was okay. But still, though, him and Colin Kaepernick are the only two quarterbacks to run for 130 yards in a playoff game twice. And Lamar just kind of put the city of Nashville to sleep for once. And, yeah. yeah. So, again, you got to give that guy credit for that. It, you know, John Harbaugh is the most road playoff wins for any coach ever, um, has a Super Bowl. That's a dangerous combination. They win a lot of playoff games. Uh, well, 
not the two of them together, but John Harbaugh's won a lot of playoff games. He, he's been around the league. He's a disciple of Andy Reid. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's funny. A lot of these coaches are disciples of Andy Reid and, and this quarterback coach duo, and they all have a pretty good quarterback. So, yeah, I got to give Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh some credit here. It was definitely longevity for sure. And, look, if Lamar Jackson hoists the Vince Lombardi trophy this year, no one should be surprised. No. I think it's kind of interesting that – so, in 2018, Patrick Mahomes wins the MVP, 50 touchdowns, eight, you know, I mean, 9.6 yards per attempt, 80.3 QBR. I'm listing all these stats that, you know, 22 approximate value that led the NFL, 5,000 passing yards, somehow didn't lead the, the NFL uh, with that. And then the following season, you know – he only throws for 26 touchdowns and you know five picks, very efficient season. His yards per attempt uh, drops 0.5, and his QBR drops a couple of points, right? Nobody blinks an eye. Well, Lamar Jackson threw for 26 touchdowns and nine picks. His yards per attempt dropped a half a point. His QBR dropped a couple of points. And people were like, ah, regression. Ah, it's regression. Like, I'm not saying that Lamar Jackson is as good as Patrick Mahomes. Nobody is. When you lead the league in passing touchdowns and you rush for a thousand yards and you lead the league, or you didn't lead the league in yards per attempt, excuse me, but when you lead the league in approximate value, there's a decent chance your stats are going to regress to the mean. Regress isn't, isn't bad; it just means normalize a lot. You know, a lot of times, and I think people forgot that with Lamar Jackson last year, he's sort of being undervalued this season. I think because it's totally possible that he comes out. Remember, this team didn't, you know, didn't rock it with a first-place schedule this year. They could come out and light things up again, and people will be like, oh, Lamar Jackson's still an MVP-caliber player. So I, I think it, it people just don't like Lamar Jackson quite as much as Patrick Mahomes, and that's part of why you see the jumping on and the regression, and, and he's ranked eighth or ninth in terms of quarterbacks. Well, we all know why they don't like Lamar Jackson, because they were wrong about Lamar Jackson. That's, that's why right. they don't like him. It's, yeah. no, that's, exactly that's all right. it is. It's intimate they're wrong. It's yep. Yeah, that's 100% what it is. Yeah, he wasn't accurate in college. He can't work in the pros. So now you, Susie falters, you dog him. Next up at number four, Russ Wilson and Pete Carroll. I feel like Seahawks fans would simultaneously, I, I think they'd be okay with the number four rank for Russ. Most Seahawks fans probably be mad that Pete Carroll is this high, though. But you got to look at the body of work. I mean, they sure. do. They didn't win 12 games last year. They, they, they won the NFC West. I, I picked them to go to Super Bowl in August, and it was looking really good until John Wolford, of all people, showed up. And I still I still think if there were fans in that game, the Rams do not beat them. Uh, you know, I thought home field advantage was crucial for them. But Seattle just – I kept thinking their running game was going to emerge last year, and it never really did. It was I, – I think they were banging on Rashad Penny coming back in November. Never happened. You know, he kind of – was an afterthought there. Chris Carson got hurt. He's always hurt. And, you know, Carlos Hyde wasn't what they thought he was, and they just let Russ cook a little too much. And it ended up biting them, honestly. Like, they were probably one of the best teams in the first half of the year, and they kind of just – I mean, they lost to the Giants. I, I still don't know how that happened. They lost to the Giants in Seattle. Really, I don't know really how that happened. Nice. Yeah, it was a terrible loss. And Giants has got all excited for it. I'm like, oh. Calm down. Like the, and I know the Seahawks have that game every year where it, they're almost like Andy Reid. They, Pete Carroll's like Andy Reid. He always has a game or two where it's just like, what the heck happened? Like, how Mike did you Tomlin, lose Mike this Tomlin game? Yeah, Mike Tomlin, all the great coaches do. And yeah. I'm just sitting there like, okay, whatever. They're going to be fine for the playoffs. And then 
they just get destroyed by the Rams. And I'm like, I don't even think the Rams were that great. Like, I thought the only reason they got in the playoffs was because Kyler Murray got hurt. And, you know, credit to Sean McVay for John Wolford and every, everything he was able to do in that game. But, you know, still, though, they win the NFC West almost every year. Russell Wilson wins 10 games every year. Seattle's always in the playoffs. Russell Wilson is – has – He's like fifth on the most touchdown passes through 10 seasons, and he's only played nine of them. So, again, he's probably going to – if he throws like 41 touchdowns this year, I think he passes Manning for that. It, it's insane. And Wilson had a tremendous year last year, still somehow did not get an MVP vote because of Aaron Rodgers. And it's hard not to keep these guys in the top three, top four. Uh, they're, they're, and they have won a Super Bowl, and they sh- probably should have two of them. Yeah, so it's almost definitely should have two of them. And – yeah. I mean, those are the breaks, right? Sometimes you get out coached and it, you know, it happens or sometimes you just, sometimes you out-coach yourself. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you out-coach yourself. Exactly. Right. Uh, look, I, I don't have any qualms with where those guys are at number four, given the outcome of the season, given Russell's talent, you know, I think you could make a case that you move. If you, if you think that Pete Carroll is going to Pete, how they handle the offense this year will determine whether these guys stay at number four or whether they dip down. I, I don't, I mean, maybe they could go, they could certainly go higher if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play and you know, different aspects to it. But I think if Shane Waldron comes in and this offense still is the same thing that Pete Carroll's run for the last few years, and they're not adapting to the, the skill sets of Russell Wilson and the talent they have around Russell Wilson at the receiver position, and maybe it's the defense's fault too, then I, I think there's a decent chance that you see them drop down the board a little bit and, you know, get leapfrogged by somebody like Josh Allen, Sean McDermott at number three as I mentioned, Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. Now, suffice to say, this is not just Packers QB and Matt LaFleur. If it's Jordan Love and Matt LaFleur, they're not on the list, right? No, no, they are not. This is <laughs> clearly Aaron Rodgers and what he was, what he does for a living. I mean, the guy has 71 touchdown passes to nine interceptions over the last two years. I, that's all I got to say about it. Yeah, I mean, he has to play. To maintain the list, but Matt LaFleur, 26 and six as a head coach since t- coming over to Green Bay. A lot of that is Aaron Rodgers. But look, give him credit. They, they've been, people have been trying to put uh, drama between Aaron Rodgers and, and Matt LaFleur for the last two years, like ever since he got there. I mean, they've been trying to insert the drama, and those guys didn't deal with it. They, they managed to win a ton of football games and be within you know, a couple of plays of going, well, maybe not the first time against San Francisco, but you know, they could have gone to two, two more Super Bowls in those first two years. If things break differently for him. So I think it's a good spot for him as long as Aaron Rodgers plays. Well, exactly. And that's how I had to do it. Like, I know someone said, how do you put the Packers on there? You might not play. I'm like, well, maybe he will play. It's, you know, they're still together. And I don't think Aaron Rodgers' beef is with Matt LaFleur. I think his beef is with Brian Gunnicoast and everybody higher up than him. I, I yep. don't think it has anything to do with the head coach. I don't think it has anything to do with the players on his team. I, I think it's just, I've been at somewhere for 15 years and I'm sick and tired of being here. Hey, I don't ever feel that way, but I can understand how somebody could. I haven't been at the same place for 15 years, so I wouldn't know. 10 years. You don't feel that way. Maybe 15. You do. I'm not, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I really never, but the only th- place I've been at for 15 years is like, my parents' house, I think. Right? Well, I, I, I got job. tired of that. Too. I've been at my job for eleven years, and I love every day of it, Jeff. That's anyway, how I am. I love every day of my job too. It's, I'm kidding. I do love every day of my job. I'm here talking to you, Will. At, no, I know this, exactly. This, what, we're talking about top quarterback and coaches. How can I not love every day of it? At number two, 
Uh, I would guess you're catching some heat for this one. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid at number two. Hello. And if Chiefs fans know me too well, they know I'm a big Mahomes and Reid stand. So I didn't get the backlash I okay. normally would get from this. So they know how I can pretty much pump out a new Patrick Mahomes stat three times a day and they'll just eat it up. And Andy Reid, I'll argue he's a better coach of Bill Belichick than the cows come home. So, you know. I think they were like, okay, we get it. Like they got destroyed in the Super Bowl. It's, they were number one the year before. That's really what it came down to. It's they're still really good. They're, I mean, really the only time Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes lose in the playoffs is to the guy who was number one. Uh, and, and it doesn't matter what uniform he's playing for. So I, again, you could look at what Andy Reid's done. He's a top five head coach all time. He's got enough playoff wins wow. to lock up his ball. Huh? Is he like top five all time? I, I I think it's still a bold statement, but it's not a crazy statement. I, I, think, I, put a, I think I put him seventh when I actually did the list. And this okay. was before he lost in the Super Bowl. So, right, so yeah, yeah. I, I think I had, yeah. So I think I read it like seven. And, right. I, but I think I can make a case he's a top five coach. Well, and I think also there is an expectation that Andy Reid is going to win another Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes. That would change oh, his legacy so. if he did. I actually think he wins one or two more. I, oh yeah. I, truthfully, it's I will not be surprised in. I think Andrew Reid's going to coach only seventy, honestly, and I would not be surprised if three, four years from now, Bill Belichick has the most playoff wins and Andy Reid is the second most. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me either. I, I do. I think it's. I I, do, I think it's an interesting uh, exercise to to place Andy Reid on the all time coaching list if he doesn't win another one with Patrick Mahomes. That would I just yeah, it's, it's, interesting. Like if they go to a bunch it, of games and lose because he has Patrick Mahomes. That's what I'm saying. Like, you when know, he like Don Shula yeah. probably should get dinged, you know, RIP and all, but he should probably get dinged a little bit for only, you know, making it to one Super Bowl with Dan Marino, right? Oh yeah. It's it's actually incredible. Don Shula was able to win Super Bowls with Bob Greasy, who was a good quarterback in, in and of his own right, but you know, he I, I do have to give Don Shula some credit though. He did take <laughs> David Woodley of all people to a Super Bowl. Don, Don, Don Shula, very good coach. I'm just saying that, you know, maybe you get Dan Marino, maybe you should win a couple. I, if, if Andy Reid only wins one with Patrick Mahomes, that will be wildly disappointing. I don't think it'll happen, but Aaron Rodgers only got one so far. Just saying. Brett Favre only got you know, one. My biggest, my biggest fear of Andy Reid actually came true. Um, he did win a Super Bowl not coaching the Eagles, but I got lucky. The Eagles won one before him. So, That's right. Yes. Well, everybody, every, it all comes back to Philly. Uh, all right. At, uh, actually, you know what? You can tie Tom Brady back to Philly too. At number one, obviously the defending Super Bowl champions, Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. I don't think that anybody would realistically, if you're given simply like blank slate, rest of team coach and QB, that you are definitely going Brady and Arians in 2021 over Mahomes and Reed. But I respect, Jeff, your uh, deferral here to the fact that Tom Brady and Bruce Arians just beat Andy Reed and Patrick Mahomes. Like the last football game we saw was a head to head victory. It would be tough to put, to flip them and to put Tom Brady at number two after he just beat the guy who would ostensibly be number one. Exactly. That's pretty much what I did. It, it was, okay, the last football game I watched, Tom Brady and Bruce Arians beat those two. And they are 
the only two to pretty much beat Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Well, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes has two playoff losses in his life. They're to Tom Brady. Yeah. It's actually incredible. Like, and I had to give Arians, which is interesting. Yeah, exactly. And here's the thing. I had to give Arians a ton of credit for Brady. He unleashed a new dimension of Brady's game. Brady was throwing a lot more deep passes than he ever did under Belichick. Um, he threw 40 touchdown passes, which is insane. I actually thought he was going to throw his age at one point in the season. Brady got better during the year. He was, you know, he was a top five quarterback in a lot of statistics last year. And he hasn't been that probably since 2017, uh, you know, when, you know, when they lost Super Bowl to the Eagles. That was probably the last time I, I thought Tom Brady was elite, elite. Like Tom Brady kind of faded a bit over those last two years, even though we won a Super Bowl. It, it just was. You know, I don't know if it was the offense, the weapons around, or whatever, but you give him Chris Godwin, you give him Mike Evans, who underrated, you know, Rob Gronkowski comes back, um, a decent offensive line. I, I shouldn't even say decent, a good offensive line. Really good offensive a, line, yeah. Yeah, a very good defense, a very good pass rush, and look what he does. And he did not have to carry that team to a Super Bowl, and he still found a way to play at his best in, when they needed him to. Like, Tom Brady could have had a terrible Super Bowl. He didn't. He played really well. And I got I was amazed by what the Bucs were able to do to that team. Just put them away early and make Patrick Mahomes throw these incredible passes that we all raved about after the game. And I'm just like, man, you know, how bad would this team have even scored a point if Patrick Mahomes was their quarterback? I don't know. And they want to rip Andy Reid for that game. I'm like, what did Andy Reid really have to work with? Yeah, I, I do think. At the end of the day, there was probably some game planning issues with how they ran their offense, the Chiefs did. And I actually think you can tie part of it back to whatever was going on off the field uh, with, with that coaching staff and inside of Andy Reid's family. Like, I don't think that that helped. That, you know, that is a distraction, and that's just sort of how it works. Um, but the Bucs came to play, and the Bucs were the better team that day by far and away. And they, look, the Bucs played some tomato cans down the stretch. They had two against Atlanta. Minnesota was pretty bad. Uh, Detroit's obviously terrible. And they lost to L.A. and Kansas City by a total of, of six points. I'm looking at the final seven-game uh, stretch of the season. But Brady completed 66.3% of his passes, averaged 320 yards per game, 20 touchdowns, five picks, just sacked eight times, and 8.5 yards per attempt. And and the reason I look at the second half, and his, you know, his first nine games were actually really good too. But the, the reason I look at that, I think that I probably got fooled by the Buccaneers struggling against better defenses in the first half. And they did. They lost to the Saints. They lost to the Bears. Uh, they lost to the Saints twice, actually. But I think in reality, what it was is, you know, it was a weird offseason for everybody. Real weird if you're switching teams, switching cities, going to your first new team in 20 years. And it took Tom Brady a little while to acclimate. It took him and Bruce Arians a little while to form that partnership completely. And when they did, they started cooking with complete gas. And they were shredding the, anything that was remotely a questionable defense. That's one of my biggest questions going into 2021, Jeff, is, is that what the Buccaneers are going to be for a full season? Because if it is, they're going to win 15 or 16 or 17 games. That's all I'm worried about, too. And they have all 22 starters. Like, I don't think anybody has a chance in the NFC South because of Tampa Bay. And I, I, I'm, think, I'm thinking to myself, are they going to be like how the Lightning were in the NHL? They're just going to roll through everybody because they, they had a full year together under their belt? Uh, it seriously could be that. Like, if you look at the NFC as a whole, 
the NFC West is going to beat each other up, all four of those teams. Sure. The NFC East stinks. I'm sorry. They stink. Uh, the NFC North stinks, You're not going to apologize too, so. for ripping the NFC East, I don't think, on it anywhere. <laughs> oh, I'll always rip them. <laughs> the NFC yeah, yeah. North isn't good. It's, if Aaron Rodgers leaves, they're, they're not going to be good. So who is it? Is it Tampa Bay versus the field? You know, I'll take Tampa Bay. It's They're by far the best team. I, I, I honestly thought the best team to beat them this year probably comes out of the NFC West, whoever that will be. And if the Rams actually live up to the hype with Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay, then maybe we got something here. But I, I don't know. It's To me, it's you know, Tampa Bay's in the NFC, and the AFC's absolutely low. I think the Rams or the 49ers, and maybe even the Seahawks to a small degree, just because they have Russell Wilson, I don't want to bet against Russell Wilson, and the Packers if they have Aaron Rodgers. I think you know that that's competition there for, for the Buccaneers. But if the Buccaneers stay healthy, and what we saw in the second half is what the Buccaneers really are, then they're going to shred that division. They're going to be right back in the Super Bowl. I even, I would throw out, I think your point's good. We may have made this, I may have made this point a few, like a month or so ago, and I, I think I forgot to bet it. The Buccaneers are minus 200 to win the NFC South. That's probably short. It should be like minus 400, honestly. Like, that's a, it's a lot of juice because it's minus 200. I, now. I, I know, I know. That's what I'm saying. William Hill right now, Bucks minus 200, Saints 3 to 1, Falcons 8 to 1, Panthers 12 to 1. I mean, the Buccaneers should steamroll that division unless Jameis Winston just has us all snookered and Sean Payton's got something big up his sleeve, which I find a little hard to believe with how the Buck played down the stretch last season. So, yeah, that may be another one of our best uh, bets. Uh, honestly, like, plus two, I mean, minus 200, that's, you know, criminal. Like, I, I'm surprised that that number isn't lower at this point. Like, it's Tampa Bay should win 12 games. Yep. No matter what, they should win 12 games. And can anybody in that division win 12 games? I don't think so. Yeah. The Chiefs uh, are minus 320 to win their division. I see the Chargers and Broncos. I mean, obviously the Broncos, if they got Aaron Rodgers, would be different stories. That may be priced into it. But, I, I mean, to me, the Bucks are probably closer to the Chiefs in terms of their relative skill set and the rest of the division than they are even the Bills, who are minus 155. I think the Bills and Bucks to win those divisions are good bets. That's just me. Yeah, you know, the Broncos are probably the first team in the history of the NFL, thanks to my colleagues at CBS Sports, to be overrated and underrated in the same week. <laughs> That's right. Yes, that is what happens when you are in the uh, the running for Aaron Rodgers. All right, this is a good talk on QB and coach duos, Jeff. Uh, excellent stuff as always, buddy, and we will talk to you soon, man. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks, Will. Uh, yeah, I I'm sure once CBS Sports HQ decides to make this uh, – Put, put that banner up of my top 10. I'm sure Bill's fans will be all over. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're going to get lit up pretty soon. As soon as, as soon as, as soon as you get that banner rolling, you're going to be, your, your mentions will be lit up. So uh, is it, is it, J, is it Jeff Kerr CBS or Jay Kerr CBS? I can't remember. It's Jeff Kerr CBS. Jeff Kerr CBS. So if you don't like the rankings, go tweet at him. And while you're online, go make sure and uh, vote for the podcast awards. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. Yeah. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one died. Mean Girls. Made it PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.